You're listening to Bell, Book, and Candle with Mela Borowski. Thoughts from a Southern Witch. Should have studied witchcraft. Should have learned to ride a broom. So me and my black cat could fly through the skies underneath the moon. Hey y'all, I'm Mela Borowski and I'm the Southern Belle in Bell, Book, and Candle. Thanks for being here with us. Our guest is Dale McLeod. Dale is a death doula, Qigong instructor, and a multi-talented shamanic artist, which includes being a musician, an author, and an award-nominated actress. She's the author of The Big Dream, My Terrifyingly Beautiful Shamanic Initiation into the Arts, a memoir chronicling what it was like to be called to shamanism. And she's the founder of The Big Dream Project, nurturing and connecting emerging Black, Indigenous, people of color talent with established artists in the film industry. Dale, I'm just so thrilled to have you on the podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Mel. That was a gorgeous introduction. I'm really happy to be here. So we're going to talk about a topic that is firing up a lot of people, both positively and negatively, which is decolonization. Mm -hmm. And today, particularly, I asked Dale to talk about decolonizing spirituality. That is a huge topic. But before we get into that, I did want to ask you a question about your own spiritual walk. Sure. Your bio says that you were the only colored queer person growing up in your neighborhood in rural Alliston, Ontario, Canada. Did spirituality play a part in that survival? Oh yeah, for sure it did. I mean, um, my mom is is a very spiritual person. Mm. And when I was growing up, she was all into Marianne Williamson and Wayne Dyer mm. and Deepak Chopra and she would always be listening to these tapes and I I was going to a Catholic school but I didn't really connect with the Catholic teachings and I really just gleaned onto these sort of new age miracle teachings especially Marianne Williamson and I remember like she would teach from uh, A Course in Miracles and I remember getting that book when I was really young and learning how to pray and learning how to visualize Mm. and learning how to like welcome and manifest miracles and also how to embrace uh, miracle working and I started to notice how these sort of mystical states that I would get into when I was practicing my own meditation and prayer at a young age started to bleed into my work as a performer because sometimes I would even enter trance when I was on stage Mm -hmm. and I would be performing in a play or something and something would just take over and it was like this rush of bliss in my body and this rush of like I was inside of a story (laughs) you know I was no longer on a (laughs) stage I was deeply in this uh, state and I started to realize like how much my spiritual practice was feeding my artistic practice was bringing me all this joy Um, and those two things have really been dancing with each other for my whole career and um, when I got to college I really got into uh, Julia Cameron's books The Artist's Way which is all about which has these like exercises and weekly activities that you do to really keep your spirituality alive for your artistic practice because ultimately mm. as an artist we're supposed to be channels for the divine we're supposed to be bringing yeah, yeah. divine work into this material realm um, so that has always been always been a big thing yeah oh that's incredible mm-hmm 
I was looking on your website and you have a video where you're talking about your spiritual awakening. I, it, I don't know if that's the right term for it, the shamanic kind of initiation. Mm -hmm. Can you give us a taste of how you got to that point? Oh my gosh. I know you've written a whole book about it, right? A whole book about it. But really it, so it was spontaneous and mm -hmm. um, it, it really came, at, it couldn't have come at a better time because I had been living in Los Angeles I had moved there as an actress. I had just finished my first series in Toronto and I was like ready to like make it in LA. Mm -hmm. And I was 21 or 22 years old and I was totally not ready for that. I was not ready to be like living on my own in a brand new country. And I ended up falling for this man who, it was totally a trauma bond. And we ended up getting married in Las Vegas. And oh, he wow. was like, yeah, it was just a very toxic relationship and I was in a very dark place. Like I had stopped, I had stopped making music. I had really stopped acting. I had like started to believe all of these things that he was telling me about my worth. And I really started becoming like more his servant to mm -hmm. feed his art and, and his dreams. And I was like, found myself like cooking for him and cleaning for him. And just like, I no longer had my life. Mm. And then I was so depressed and I was in such a dark place. And a friend had come to visit me uh, in LA and he was on his way to Peru to go do ayahuasca. And he started telling me about ayahuasca and how it was like, um, it was like 10 years of therapy in one night and like he had been working with the medicine before and how much it helped him and I was like maybe this will help me <laughs> I was like I just feel so fucked up and like so dark yeah and so I found uh, a shaman in Topanga Canyon uh, which is just like north of Los Angeles and they were like yeah great we have a ceremony coming up in a week if you want to come and I was like great and then that night after I had booked the ceremony I was at my apartment and then suddenly my body just started to undulate and started to writhe and started mm. to move itself into these like yoga poses and my hands started to pull themselves into these different mudras that I had never seen before. Wow. I Then I started feeling these spirits, different like very distinct um, energies flow in and out of my body. Like first there was this, what felt like a like a Japanese sort of bird uh, energy come through me. And then there was this like, um, like African, like black woman. And she started speak using my voice and speaking through mm. me. And then there was um, this uh, like very, uh, almost like a Marilyn Monroe type of energy flowing and this was going on like all night and i couldn't stop these spirits from inhabiting my body and i was like what is going on and then it happened <laughs> and then i started like sort of like just sort of having these like downloads of of information just like thoughts would just appear in my mind that were like so deep and like i would be able to speak to plants and speak to animals and i found myself just like in this state and then when I finally went to the ayahuasca ceremony. So this was before the ayahuasca. Yeah, this okay. was before. Wow. So I told them what was happening. I was like, I was like, I don't know what's happening, but like I'm experiencing these really strange things. And they were like, oh, you know, th that might be just the medicine working on you. Like already mm -hmm. they say that the medicine is so powerful that once you commit to a ceremony that uh, it starts to work. Oh, wow. Energetically. 
Yeah. So I go to this ayahuasca ceremony and I have an incredibly deep experience that like shows me my purpose in life and like mm -hmm. experiencing all this trauma in my body and processing and all this love and it's like beautiful. And I get, uh, I get back to my place and I just couldn't stop hallucinating. It was like that medicine had really exacerbated what was already happening. And I started falling into these like epic visionary states where I was visited by um, this African ocean goddess named Ye Moja. And I was like brought in my vision like to the bottom of the ocean to like speak with her. And then I also uh, had an encounter with Kali Ma, the Hindu goddess mm -hmm. of destruction. And I was like taken into outer space. <laughs> Sounds mm. so crazy, but these are all vis visions. Um, to like have the cosmos and explain to me with like atoms and how they're the same as like stars and all of this stuff. Wow. And throughout that time, I was like talking to myself and I wasn't eating and I wasn't sleeping. And my husband at the time was like, oh, like she's having some sort of like schizophrenic break. Mm -hmm. And finally, after like 40 days of this madness, I ended up in a psychiatric ward of a hospital where they had sedated me for like five days. And um, they didn't want to let me go, but my mom came to get me and she was just like, I need to take her back to Canada. We need to get her help. She didn't want me, she's a healer herself. She's a homeopath mm -hmm. and she's into alternative healing and always has been. So she was just really wary of them just giving me antipsychotic drugs. She didn't want mm. that. Yeah. And I couldn't decide for myself at the time. And so we found this Native American Jungian psychologist who recognized what was happening to me as the shamanic calling and we hired him and he mentored me and also was my therapist into this shamanic world that I had never I had never encountered in my life and since then it's been this discovery of my heritage because my father comes from South Africa and he is of a Zulu and San which is like the Bushman heritage which has deep shamanic roots that I had never encountered before because my dad left when I was really little and I was just I had been raised in this very rural very white conservative town where shamanism just like wasn't a thing and so it's been it's really been a journey of connecting to these indigenous practices learning about how to connect with your ancestors how to receive guidance from spirit how to be in touch with my body and my intuition and my emotions and also as um, shamans are wounded healers. So it's the path of healing. Really, I have to heal myself first. So it's been processing all of my own trauma in these shamanic ways. Also, I've definitely used Western medicine for sure. I've been on anti-anxiety medication and all that as well because those symptoms are real. Yeah. And it can be overwhelming. And at times it really, really was. But now I'm making this film uh, documentary called Colored which is all about reclaiming this heritage of mine, reclaiming these traditional healing practices and the spirituality from the hands of colonialism because not only was South Africa settled by the Dutch and the English and then the apartheid happened where it was actually made illegal to practice shamanism. It was called witchcraft and demonized. My family escaped that apartheid to come to Canada where there was another genocide of indigenous peoples and their practices. Hmm. And um, this is where the real colonialism piece comes in because colonizers, um, they 
were uh, justifying their actions of genocide, of murder and rape and torture on the basis of their religion, saying that, oh, we were made in the image and likeness of God and all these other indigenous peoples are came from monkeys. So we're better than them. So we have the right to murder them and to take their land and all of that. And um, I think that's that has been a sickness that is present in our culture in the West, all over the world, wherever it has been colonized, which was three quarters of the entire world, whether it was by the English or the Spanish or the Portuguese or the Dutch. um, They all had this really sick idea that was that was not based in the indigenous understanding of we have one creator. We're all put on this earth together to live as one. No, no one is better than the other. We all are different. We all have strengths in our differences and our diversities. And um, it's wrong to murder people, no matter what justification Absolutely. you have. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it seems like that is not that difficult to figure out. Even mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in so many holy books and scriptures, it seems like that would be so easy to figure out. But just greed and pride and yes. everything else gets in, gets in the way and they'll in- interpret it their own way. Exactly. That's that's the shadow. And that's where I find this um, Jungian psychology education has been so valuable to me because it is so parallel with indigenous thinking mm-hmm. of we all have a shadow. Yeah, I love that. There's just no getting away from it. And like when you deny that you have a shadow, then it goes into the darkness and it just starts to fester and have its own life without your awareness. Yeah. So as soon as you can say, Oh, I, as a human being, I possess light and I possess darkness. It will always be there. I'm going to have greedy uh, inclinations. I'm going to be selfish at times. I'm going to be rude at times, you know, all, all of these yeah. things. But when you have, when you're fit, when you know that you have both, then you can start choosing, choosing how you want to be, choosing how you want to act and what you want to create. And I know you want to talk about like decolonizing spirituality. And I think that that is a major thing that new age spirituality doesn't have. And that was a major thing that even like growing up with Marianne Williamson and Deepak Chopra and all that, there wasn't really a recognition of this shadow and how to live with it and how to overcome it. Because it was new age spirituality really feels like, oh, like do these, um, meditate so that you can like Uh, learn how to be better like part of this capitalist system and make more money and live your best life and have no challenges it's like okay no (laughs) that is not possible like you need to know that like your growth is going to include suffering at times and that your growth is going to include challenges at times and that life is is a beautiful storyline that you have been that you have entered into and that life is just like a great book. It uses the tools of narration, just like there will be a, you will be betrayed. At times you'll be betrayed, you know? At times you will be so naive and you will be, you will play the fool. Mm -hmm. Like these archetypes exist in all of us. And it's this incredible archetypal web that we're all part of. And so, yeah, to, to know that the shadow is part of that, I think is a huge thing and decolonizing because when we stop recognize it then you can do something insane like say oh i don't have a shadow and it's fine to murder yeah that's so important i am all about shadow work and i'm all about telling people <laughs> that hey life sucks sometimes you can't uh-huh. live in this whole 
love and light mentality all the time. Yeah. And that pisses people off a lot. <laughs> of course it would. <laughs> <laughs> of course it would. No, no, no. You can, you know, manifest it into always being beautiful. They're lying oh. to themselves. Oh, lying. Yeah. Yes. I feel so much of what you were saying because when you're talking about the whole shamanic illness, I've been told that I've gone through that. I had a point in my life where my brain pretty much felt like it broke and mm. I ended up in the mental hospital a few times. I was mm. diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder. I was seeing all sorts mm -hmm. of things. So when you were talking, I was like, oh my God, I've been there. And it took me wow. over a decade to... Yes deal with all of that and I was put on all those medications because yeah. I didn't know what I didn't have anybody advocating for me and so mm -hmm. I just was uh, medicated up yeah. and like a zombie walked through my life yeah. so I I appreciate you sharing that because that must have I know from my own experience it was absolutely terrifying and yeah. it's a miracle I'm alive today because I wanted yes. to kill myself yes mm-hmm that was that's really amazing that you have come out of that and that's that whole wounded healer thing healer mm -hmm. heal thyself yes. and i had to do that as well yes. i've found that pretty much all healers that i've ever met have had to come through something like that yes that's i, I didn't know that about you and i'm i'm really i'm thankful that you shared that with me i think that's why i felt such an instant connection to you as well mm. cuz you have such a deep groundedness to your energy and I was like oh I, I'm safe here mm. with you and I feel like one of the major reasons why the creator sort of made this initiation that was so painful for healers to go through is so that we don't do harm mm. and I feel that hugely because going through this process has humbled me to my core and knowing just how how much pain another person could be in that I am trying to help yeah i don't think that i would have been able to have the capacity to hold that kind of pain had i not been through it myself totally agree it's that the whole compassion exactly and you don't want to hurt them and and i think that what happens with people who just call themselves healers or just call themselves shamans without mm -hmm. without undergoing first of all the calling and then the initiation is that these energies they're so powerful that are in your body when you're called to be a healer and they're amplified and if they're not reined in and if they're not honed and given like clear direction and like they're not mastered, they just go wild. Like a hose just like just spraying everywhere, you know, and causing destruction. Yeah. And that's why this initiatic period is so important. Mm. Yeah. So you, so you had to go through that yourself. Yeah. And I feel like I can look back on that and say, I am a better person today and I honor and validate my experience, but it was hard as hell to get through. Yeah. Yeah. Dark. So dark at times. Very I dark. Thought. Yeah. Talking about decolonization and also you bring in appropriation, um, kind of into that whole thing when we're talking about spirituality, there's a lot of people who have told me that shaman is not even a term that I should be using with anything that I'm doing. Now, sometimes I've never called myself a shaman and I've always also been told that that's not something you just decide for yourself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, <laughs> but a lot of the things that I do, I wasn't even taught about them, but I've seen later and I've seen that it's a, sh uh, a shamanic 
thing, like calling back the fractured pieces of your soul yes. and yes. ancestral healing and things that I've been involved in and that I involved myself with helping other people heal. Mm-hmm. Very shamanic. So how do you feel about the way the term shaman is being used in the world today? Hmm. Well, the word shaman comes from Siberia, right? Mm-hmm. So and then the Siberian word comes from uh, Sanskrit, mm. from the word saman, and that means song, actually. Mm. So to, like, and something so beautiful about working shamanically is music, <laughs> mm-hmm. is the songs. I don't know if you feel it too, like this connection to music and yes. healing through song and sound and... Drumming. Yes, drumming and trance and... Music is just such a huge part of shamanism. And I, and I also, I use that word just because it's become colloquial uh, to point at what I am. Mm-hmm. But like in my lineage, African shamans in my Zulu lineage are called Sangomas. Mm. So I haven't been initiated yet. I'm going to be. But once I am initiated, I'll use the word Sangoma. Mm. But for now, I'm using the word shaman. Yeah, yeah. And I think, hmm, I think like the disconnect really happens is if you are, say, okay, like say you're a white person and you're really into like spiritual healing and you're like living on stolen land and not connecting with your own ancestors and not doing your own inner decolonization work and just using the title so that you can, I don't know, get clients. Or make money or whatever. Like, that feels really wrong to me. Yeah. Um, for sure. And I think that, like, if you are truly called to become a healer, that you most like, you most likely will have to do that work of connecting with your own ancestors and your own heritage because mm-hmm. all of us come from an indigenous background. Like, the origin of the human species started in southern Africa mm-hmm. and then traveled all the way up Africa and then into Europe and then for Europe over the Behringer Strait from Russia to Alaska, and then into Canada, down to the United States, down into Southern America. But we, all of us are indigenous. All of us has our, have our own shamanic practices, no matter where we came from. They were just lost during colonialism. So connecting, I think, with your own. So if, you're, if you are that white person living on stolen land, and you know that you come from Irish or German or Portuguese or Czechoslovakian or Russian heritage, I think before you start appropriating words or uh, other cultures like like Native American shamanism here, go back to your own thing. Go back to your own ancestors because if you are a healer, there there are most likely other healers in your lineage that you can connect with through the spirit world and who can start showing you. And then once you've done all that work in your own, then you can start, then you will be ready actually to approach others, other kinds of shamanism mm-hmm. um, with respect and, and, be, and being able to honor that and honor them both. But it's just, it's, it's just whether it's like authentic or whether you're using yeah. something. And I think that it's definitely going to happen. Like it has happened throughout all time with healers and it will mm. continue to happen. It's just, I think also learning how to discern whether you're, someone who's looking to work with a healer or whether you yourself are becoming a healer, just being able to discern 
how, how am I acting authentic, authentically? What is authentic and what is just my ego wanting to be seen as this healer and wanting to be held in high regard and wanting to have power and wanting to have influence, just reining those things in are, are going to be a huge, huge part of <laughs> becoming real. Yeah, that's such good advice. And to me, the whole decolonization of the mind and of spirituality and everything yeah. else around us, for me, it seems like it's really steeped in not only recognizing greed, because I do get sick to my stomach when I see, you know, the whole manifest a six figure or whatever, but recognizing <laughs> privilege as well. Mm, that is so true. Oh my gosh, that's so true because you see people who are so privileged, just mm -hmm. like living and they're just like, I manifested this. And it's like, did you, <laughs> did you, or was that just you benefiting from this colonial capitalist patriarchal system where you're making all of your money based on a bunch of other people basically acting as slaves? Right. I mean, I see white folk and I'm a white folk myself, but I see white folk making <laughs> money off of the cultures and traditions oh. that's not their own. And a lot of times I, yeah. I personally know very wealthy white folk who make it a habit daily uh, to yeah. just appropriate and take, you oh, know, all kinds that's... of cultures and make money. That is the colonizer mind. That is yeah. the colonizer mind will have you believe that you are entitled to take what you want, that mm. the people that you are taking from are not actually human, mm. and that your bottom line of making money is the most important thing. And yeah. it doesn't matter how much harm you do. And decolonizing the mind, that my first step, I mean, first I was like, I need some ceremony. I need to call this in. This is going to be a spiritual journey in itself. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that I that I said to myself that I was going to um, stick to was no harm, no harm, no more hurting another for my benefit. And when you can comb through your life and especially your purchases, because that is where decolonization I think has the most impact, is where you're divesting from companies or um, corporations that do harm. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just it, it's, it has a huge impact. And just in your life, like, where are you treating other people like they're less than human? Where are you allowing it for, for it to be okay for other people to be hurt um, just so you can uh, benefit financially? Mm -hmm. That is a huge task. <laughs> That's a, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is a, you have to really humble yourself and know that, like, you're entering into an entirely new paradigm. And it seems really scary at first, but what is so beautiful and what's waiting for you is this feminine, like non-violent, uh, flowing sort of uh, way of being where the thing, where you become the thing that you are seeking, where you become this authentic version of yourself and then things start to align in your life and your karma starts to be worked out. And when you're creating a life of no harm and of uh, creation, it just starts to, to feed. It's like this uh, feeding cycle that just starts to feed back into your life. And then your relationships start to get better. And, you know, you're more grounded in who you are. And so your job will get better. And maybe you're not going to be manifesting six figures, but you're no longer going to, you're going to have better boundaries in your life. And you're not going to be treated as a slave in your own occupation anymore. Yeah. And th through those um, authentic steps, of, of creating a great life. I think that's what we want. 
this past weekend, mm-hmm. I spent two and a half days um, with a Native American lady and she was leading sweat lodges. Yes, you told me that. I asked her one evening when it was just me and her, she was talking to me about, you know, medicine and my medicine and things like that. And I said, can I even use the word medicine? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she said, medicine doesn't belong to anybody. You can, you can use it. And so I was thinking, if an indigenous person teaches you something and says, yes, you can use that, does it not become appropriation then? Or, you know, and then appropriation would be some random, usually a white person just grabbing it and then, you know, making a making a book or, or starting something to learn about badger medicine or something. That, I, I think that's a really beautiful question. <laughs> and I- it's so important and I, I've been thinking about this a lot actually with um, like ayahuasca medicine and this Peruvian mm. shamanic medicine that is now available all over the world mm-hmm. and the indigenous peoples who grow the chacuna and the ayahuasca vine they're running out of their medicine oh, and wow. there are people who will say oh well, I, I have permission from a Peruvian shaman to use this they're saying use this mm-hmm. and it's like <sighs> <sighs> I think you have to decide for yourself what's right. Okay. Because I, yeah, I think, and I think it might come down to harm, to doing harm. Because yes, someone, an indigenous person might have given you permission, but the fact is as well is that the medicine has its own life. And that medicine is alive. And that medicine, you, in order to even um, work with the medicine, you have to be in relationship to it. Right. You have to get to know it first, its personality and the things that it wants. You know, it has a whole consciousness mm-hmm. and to be in good relationship to it is to make it work. And like with ayahuasca medicine, it is such a tribal medicine and it will not work unless you have a tribe around you that can withstand that kind of, oh, like, awesome inspirational energy that will flow through the person who is using it mm-hmm. and it can break you if yeah. you don't have that solid foundation a solid foundation of mental health and this is what my documentary goes into as well is that the foundation of it is relationships and so many of us that are thinking in this western cultural mind of individuality and of me 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 and of all of that but indigenous ways of being are so rooted in communal living oh, yeah. and sharing and in having relationships with elders and with young people and with adults and just and, and, and being of service to these people and um, taking care of the people who took care of you. And that and the medicine will work through all of those relationships. So if you're someone who is like so lost, like I was, and depressed, and like and going through this darkness, and you and you use some sort of shamanic medicine, its usage is so much deeper than what you think it is. Mm-hmm. And to get to get the benefits of it, I think understanding the plant, understanding the traditional ways that it has been used, and cultivating a life that will actually be able to absorb its teachings is so important. And I think that's, those are the questions you have to ask yourselves about using indigenous medicines and building your own relationship to it. And then also, if you are coming from a place of like respect and honoring, and if you want to use badger medicine and teach, teach others about it, if you do that, how are you giving back to the communities that, exactly, uh, yeah. that keep this medicine? 
yeah, how are you giving back? How are you nurturing? How are you sharing? And how are you placing yourself in this? Is there another indigenous woman who has a book about badger medicine? How are you supporting her? And oh, so yeah. I think it really goes down to like those ethics, ethics Absolutely. and asking yourself what is right and really being deep down honest with yourself about what feels right and what feels appropriated. I think just from hearing everything you're saying and everything that I've read and heard from other people, I think people can really check themselves if they're trying to benefit either by pumping themselves up as, hey, hey, look at me, I got all this power, or if they're trying to to make tons of money off of it. Yeah. Like that's an easy way. Mm-hmm. It goes deeper than that, but mm-hmm. if you're doing that, you don't have that relationship, you don't have that respect. Mm-hmm. If you've just grabbed something to make a buck off of it, that yeah. to me is not respect. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I think just the main part of any spiritual journey, and especially what I've been learning about following this African path, is that it doesn't matter which path you take, whether you're an African spiritualist or you're a Buddhist or you're a pagan or you're a witch or whatever, Mm -hmm. it all leads to this same ultimate realization of oneness and of love. And when your heart opens like that, then you can be guided by your heart and by that ultimate love so that every step you're making, every decision you're making in the outside world comes from that deep place of love and respect. And like, you are gonna make mistakes, 100%. We're gonna make mistakes. And I think it comes down to the willingness to learn and the sincerity of which you are on your spiritual path. Because if you are sincere and your heart is open, that will guide you and you can make amends where you make mistakes you can right those wrongs, but to have that sincere, you are here to be humbled and to be one with creator, then I think that you'll be okay. But if you're there for self-gratification, self-glorification, for power, money, those are your shadow in action. And if your shadow is who's in the driver's seat, you got to get checked and life will check you. Mm-hmm. Trust me, you will have your <laughs> ass handed to you. I have had my ass handed to me many times when my <laughs> when my ego has been in charge mm-hmm. my my inner child has been in in the front seat and i'm just like nope <laughs> no you gotta have you gotta find that higher self and that mm-hmm. higher self is the most loving the most intelligent the most connected the most concerned with other human beings and about that kindness and service to them as well because Ultimately, we're not given enlightenment or spiritual power for ourselves. Hell no. We're given it to give it to other people. And that is your place. We are servants. And I think that that's just such a huge realization to know your positioning for this, Hmm. to be of service. I teach in a spiritual gifts class uh, that you, you can have a talent, but it doesn't become a spiritual gift until you're using it for the community. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <sighs> There's this really great article, and I'll link it in the show notes. I'll find it again. But it was talking about different ways that you can decolonize yourself. Mm. Yes. One thing that I, that really stuck was the author was talking about the whole idea of not enoughness, of mm. not feeling like we're enough, that we don't have what we need. And that is kind of how colonization is. They have this emptiness that they're trying desperately to fill. And I just... I just thought that was really interesting. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it's just so true. Like I saw this meme (laughs) where these like people were just like lying by a river and like eating fruit off the trees. 
And it was like, don't let colonization make you think that like we weren't just here to like enjoy this beautiful life where everything is already provided for us. Mm. Like in order for us to have fulfilling human lives, like I said, it's about the relationships that yeah. you forge. And we are given all the food and water and we can make shelter and we can, we don't have to work. <laughs> like all this stuff is completely made up. It's insane. <laughs> this whole like capitalist society is made up and it's all been made to serve the people at the top. And so, yeah, of course, like we're gonna, we're gonna think, oh, there's, there's not enough and the world is not abundant and I don't have what I need and I must consume, consume, consume. And my identity is based on my consumption and I need to get this car because of what it says about me or, you know, I need to get this job because of the certain status it will give to me. And all those things are, are it's just an empty, it's like feeding on that will only make you more hungry. And so to realize that the, the things that will actually give you fulfillment in life are those common things. They're so simple and it's not showy. It's so much more rooted in our humanity and, and in the love that we share with one another. Yeah, and I've been trying to just like live in this balanced, no excess sort of way. Yeah. And um, where, it, where I don't try to identify with, with that capitalist society, and it's beautiful. You, I do, I do have enough and a little more, and it's great. <laughs> I have everything I need, and yeah. it's awesome. And my relationships have gotten deeper, and mm -hmm. just those things just start to show up in your life. You've given a lot of really what could be taken as advice to decolonize our spirituality, our minds, things like that. Do you have any other advice for allies to support decolonization? Oh yeah. One of the things that you can do besides decolonizing yourself first, because that is the number one thing, is starting to support indigenous-led sovereignty initiatives, which mm -hmm. are things like Land Back, um, where indigenous people are asking for the rights to their land, there's the stewardship of their land so that they can decide whether or not there's going to be a pipeline that runs through their land that they use for hunting and whether there's going to be, you know, a, a plant that will pollute their water. They will have final say on whether these kinds of things that are hurting our earth and literally causing climate change, they get final say because they have been the stewards of this land for thousands of years for millennia before colonizers came to take and to basically destroy the land. I mean, even just something like 50% of all cotton in the entire world came from the American South and that destroyed the soil. Yeah. And there was like herds of buffalo that were desecrated in order to kill off indigenous peoples. Forests have been deforested water has been polluted, all of these things are part of capitalism. And so giving this stewardship of the land back to indigenous people, I think is like so important for our survival as a human species, because right now in the hands of our mostly white supremacist politicians, they do not give a heck about the condition of our, of our earth. And I think just centering indigenous voices following indigenous people online, seeing who the leaders are, listening to their podcasts, you know, 
and being taught from someone who who has lived um, in an indigenous way because for me indigeneity comes from the experience of that communal kind of lifestyle Mm -hmm. and there's just going to be different things that someone who has been grown who has grown up in that culture and has been on the land for thousands of years will have right so yeah and i just want to give a shout out to my favorite influencer her name is shayla stonechild ulette Oh my God, she teaches me so much and I'm Mm. so grateful to her. She's online. She has this podcast called The Matriarch Movement and it is just beautiful. Yeah, so I would say that. Great, thank you. How do people find your projects and information? Do you have a website, social media? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm on all the things. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube. Um, You can find me there, Dale McLeod, D-A-Y-L-E McLeod. And then I have, so I'm raising money for my documentary feature that's called mm-hmm. Colored. So you can go to colored.documentary.com. I've got my book, Big Dream, My Terrifyingly Beautiful Shamanic Initiation into the Arts. That's at thebigdreambook.com. And I have music out. I have an album called In Bloom that's available on Spotify and Apple Music everywhere. And yeah, I'm, I'm out there. So you can definitely find me and reach out. And y'all, Dale has a beautiful, raw, ancestral voice. I highly encourage you to check out her music. I was listening to In Bloom, and I love the song Melancholia. I actually wrote that about my ex. I wrote that like when I was in that depression. Mm. And it was just about me at like, you jump, I jump with you. You cry, I cry for you. You scream, and I scream too. It was just like feeling his just like entering into the state of like darkness with him and just bending myself around him rather than holding myself as a sovereign being and that melancholy that that i was just living in yeah Mm, well it's a beautiful beautiful song thank you there was a book that i was reading and when you were talking about the shadow and just facing the fact that life sucks sometimes you have to (laughs) recognize your shadow there's a book called existential kink have you ever heard of that i think i have oh i okay what is this let me look this up yep existential kink i can't remember the name of the author it is so good and i think you would carolyn elliott yes that's it oh this sounds right up my alley this is actually i think you would love it this just came out in 2020 yeah okay oh my gosh i'm so into it. a smart sexy guide to embracing the repressed taboo and often unwanted aspects of ourselves so we can discover our inner power and finally live the life we deserve yes yes it's amazing and okay. it's all about saying hey i'm a greedy bastard and let me <laughs> feel the joy of that and then once you um, recognize that about yeah. yourself you're overcoming it. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. Isn't it so, I honestly just get such a relief feeling in my body when I say I'm not perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Do not expect anything from me. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's awesome. I'm a perfectionist. (laughs) So I had to come to terms with that and it was very freeing to not have to live up to that standard. Oh yeah. That is colonization. Like, for sure. For yeah. you to be expected to be perfect and constantly pr- pr- productive oh, and, yeah. you know, managing everything in like this perfect way. Like, no. Yeah. And no. wanting to be around people all the time. Sometimes I hate people. Oh, I feel you. You need to be <laughs> in your own energy, especially if you're a healer. Yeah. You got to like cultivate your own energy. Yeah. 
Well, it has been just an honor to have this conversation with you, Dale. Thank you again for being here. I feel the same way. I feel really, really happy to be here. Thank you. And y'all, think about everything we talked about. Look into your heart, your mind. I challenge you to begin the process, or if you've already started it, continue the process of decolonizing your mind, your heart, your spirituality. And I'd really love to hear what our listeners think about this episode. Tell us what you think. If you go to the podcast website, you can comment on this episode with your thoughts, your questions. You could even click that little microphone, send me a voice message, and I might just use it on a future episode. So take care, and y'all be blessed. Thank you all for listening to Bell Book and Candle. You can follow Mella on Instagram and Facebook at bellbookcandlesc. That's Bell, B-E-L-L-E. Or become a patron at patreon.com forward slash bellbookcandle.